place. And tomorrow is the most important day of the presidential campaign. That is the first debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden in Cleveland, Ohio, at Case Western University. And um, it's much more important for Biden than Trump because Americans will be looking to see if he is up to the task of answering questions because he's been shaky. And we all know that. Anybody paying attention knows it. And you might not like Donald Trump, but Trump is on it, whereas Joe Biden doesn't seem to be. Now, I wrote a book called Killing Lincoln. You know that. It was controversial because I said after he was shot, President Lincoln's uh, mind deteriorated quickly. And he was president. And we gave absolute truthful testimony. Some days he could do his job, some days he could not. But Ronald Reagan made a tremendous comeback, a miraculous comeback, in my opinion. Joe Biden can do the same thing. But if he does not on uh, the 29th of September, then I submit to you, Donald Trump will win re-election. Um, what else do I want to tell you before we get into the actual story on? I debut tonight on WABC Radio, the powerhouse in New York City. Uh, at 10 p.m., 10 to 11, I'll be taking the podcast and my commentary about it uh, every day. We uh, are looking forward to that. Okay, Bob Woodward on 60 Minutes. I've known Woodward, as you guys know. He's been on The Factor. Um, known him for, I don't know, 30 years. Uh, honest reporter. But he is a man of the Washington Post, which is, means he's a man of the left. That was apparent last night. Just to uh, set it up. He's got a new book out. The first book he uh, wrote on the Trump administration was not kind. All right. And when Donald Trump uh, in January of 2019 asked me, because I was with him on Air Force One, writing my book, The United States of Trump, if he should cooperate with Bob Woodward, I said no. Now, I've gone over all this. I don't want to be repetitive. But my basic reasoning was, look, Bob Woodward has to write a book critical of you and your administration because that's what his audience expects him to do, and his publisher, Simon & Schuster, expects him to do. So presto, the book comes out, and it's not a kind book to Donald Trump. So as part of the promotion for the book, Bob Woodward appears on 60 Minutes. It was essentially all COVID, very little else about Donald Trump's administration. It was a COVID play. Go. I say the president is the wrong man for the job. But you're known as the reporter who doesn't put his thumb on the scale. And yet, at the end of this book, you do just that. It's a conclusion based on evidence, overwhelming evidence, that he could not rise to the occasion with the virus and tell the truth. That is not essentially true. It's not a conclusion, it's an opinion that Bob Woodward puts forth. And let me back that up. So the key phrase in all of this is playing it down. You heard the tapes. President Trump says to Woodward, I played down the virus because I did not want panic. That is true. That's what he did. He did it in Davos, Switzerland. He did it a number of times. But that doesn't mean he deceived. To me, an American, I didn't feel deceived by President Trump. 
I saw him cut off flights from China, and I saw him cut off flights from Europe. So I didn't feel deceived. Now, you could make a case that Donald Trump should have said everybody's got to wear masks, everybody's got to stay away from uh, gatherings. You could make that case. It would be a legitimate case. Trump did not do that with any degree of intensity. He basically put forth a hopeful point of view. And there was a reason. He did not want to tank the American economy any more than it was tanking. And he succeeded in keeping the stock market at a certain level. And that is vitally important to understand. Woodward ignores all of that. So your 401k, your retirement fund, your college fund tied into the stock market. Stock market is at historic highs right now. You didn't get hurt if you hung tough from the March plummet, as I advise you to do. And I hope you took my advice. Now, President Trump didn't take my advice when I told him not to cooperate with Bob Woodward. Because I said, you're not going to win this. And President Trump did not win it. The 60 Minutes thing hurt him in the short run. It did with independent voters. It's just another brick in the wall that Trump isn't, as Woodward says, the uh, right man for the job. Now, if I'm Scott Pelley and he says to me, Woodward says to me, well, Trump's not the right man for the job, being he shouldn't be president, I said, is Biden the right man for the job? Because that's what you're looking at now if you want to advance the story. Anyway, let me back up the uh, COVID um, analysis another way. France over the weekend, had a record-breaking 10,000 cases of COVID. Did Macron, the French president, play down COVID? No, he didn't. India, 95 new cases, 95,000 new cases of COVID. Did Modi play down COVID? This is beyond any politician's control, all right? So it's, it's a insidious disease that no matter what you do, other than isolation, which can happen in France or India or America, it's going to be around until a vaccine comes. So I just want to throw that out there. Now, uh, as I said, Trump got hurt by the Woodward thing in the short run. Um, this will be obliterated by the first debate. But Biden, if he's smart, capitalizes on this. And I assume he will. The Atlantic magazine, that was the Trump doesn't like the troops. That's all gone. But this is interesting. Over the weekend, Atlantic, which is Trump hater, parks alone. All right. Says we should do away with the Nobel Peace Prize. Cancel the Nobel Peace Prize because Trump is being nominated because of his success in the Middle East. I mean, Atlantic, I mean, I, I did make the comparison between Atlantic Magazine and Mad Magazine, and it stands. Now, the only thing saving Trump is, is Biden. If, if there was a Democratic candidate who was totally in control and had a liberal but realistic view of the world, Donald Trump would lose. He just alienated too many people. But Biden is not that man, as we have analyzed here. Biden 
will not go up against the radical left. He will not. So if you vote for Joe Biden, you're allowing the radical left to pretty much call a lot of shots. I don't want that. Um, Anyway, Biden himself is not who he used to be. I've known him 25 years. So I ran a soundbite last week. I'm going to run it again because it's the best soundbite to show you that on any given day, perhaps the future president of the United States, Joe Biden, is incoherent. Go. U.S. COVID infected military, uh, excuse me, U.S. COVID infected in America, 6,344,700. U.S. COVID deaths, 189,506. Military COVID infected, 118,984. Military COVID deaths, 6,114. Uh, Military COVID deaths are seven. So there isn't one word of that statement which runs 32 seconds that is comprehensible. Nothing, not one word in the entire statement makes any sense at all. Okay, so my submission to you is that Joe Biden helps Donald Trump. Let's bring in Bernard Whitman. He is a Democratic strategist, CEO of Whitman Insight Strategies. He used to work for Bill Clinton and uh, Michael Bloomberg. So let's start with the um, Biden soundbite last week in Michigan, where he wasn't even close to saying anything coherent. As a Democrat, Bernard, did that bother you? Uh, Bill, thanks for having me. No, what bothers me as a Democrat is the fact that Uh, Donald Trump has been president for three and a half years, more than three and a half years, and he's rarely, if anything, said anything that's actually factually correct, that is actually coherent, that's actually the truth. Donald Trump trades in lies, disinformation, fear, half-truths, conspiracy theories, and the like. And Joe Biden, okay, so that was, was a bit of a mess. He was reading something, obviously wasn't prepared right. He stumbled a bit. Who doesn't stumble a bit? It's one thing to stumble over a few words in an isolated case. It's another thing to systematically, over more than three and a half years as president, actually lie repeatedly to the American people, which is exactly what he did on the coronavirus. And the the Bob Woodward piece that you mentioned, it's not that Bob Woodward is doing in Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump's own words are doing in Donald Trump. All that book was, was a series of interviews and Donald Trump's own point of view. His point of view to downplay the virus, his point of view to lie to the American people, his point of view to not trust the American people to handle themselves, and his, his disregard and his contempt, frankly, for the American people resulted in nearly 200,000 deaths and millions and millions of people out of work, the worst economy in multiple generations. And, and here we have uh, a president all right, all right, all right, that is running for re-election on that record. Bernard, you, now you spoke for about two minutes and 10 seconds, and um, it was coherent. I don't believe what you said is true but it was coherent. Did Modi in India lie to his people? I didn't see what Modi said, so I can't okay. comment on that. Okay, so we have, we have, did Macron in France, who issued instructions very early on on what to do and not to do in COVID, did he lie to his people? 
My French is okay, but again, I, I didn't hear what okay. he said, so I so can't. So neither say what he lied neither about. of them lied to their people, and they basically presented the facts as the um, scientists presented them. I don't feel lied to by President Trump. I think he was too hopeful, too optimistic. I think he played down. I think that's accurate. He said it himself for the sake of the economy. But I don't think he woke up in the morning and said, you know what, I'm going to lie to the American people about COVID today. Because number one, that would have been stupid because COVID would have unveiled the lie quickly. Correct? Right? Well, look, the fact is he called it a Democratic hoax. He said it was like the flu. He said, he said a shot was would be available a, He said soon. it was a, no, no. He said it was a hoax, but he was talking about the reportage of the virus, not the virus itself. You the you reportage was not a hoax, Bill. It's killed almost 200,000 people. He said it was going to okay, go away. No human being on earth. None of this Bernard. is true. No human being on earth could have stopped the virus from coming to the United States. He repeatedly no flouted science. He repeatedly ignored his advisors. He repeatedly even went against Dr. Fauci, who was the lead guy on this, suggesting that people wear masks. He has worn a mask in public, what, once or twice. He let the states into, basically, without any national standards, the states went into a massive free-for-all fighting for equipment. There's no standards. Schools are now in session without any proper equipment, any proper training, any proper guidance. The president basically said, you know what? It's not my responsibility. I wash my hands of it. Okay. This is not the type of leader in, that we need. I got two kids in school, and they're not in unsupervised chaotic places. So, Bernard, you're overstating things as a partisan, and that's not what I want to do on this program. So let's go back to the first question. Does it bother you that in 32 seconds, a potential president of the United States does not state one accurate thing and doesn't know doesn't know or realize. See, if you make a mistake verbally or I make a mistake verbally, we know instantly, or, well, I didn't mean that, or I'm sorry. He didn't even know what he was saying about military deaths and transmission of COVID was complete nonsense. He didn't even know it. Doesn't that bother you? What bothers me is the fact that this president has consistently All right, so you won't answer lied the to the American let's people. Move, let's move ahead. Bernard, we're on the record. I asked you a simple question because I'm a simple man. You refuse to answer it. That is not good for your team. If you're trying to persuade people to vote for Joe Biden, you have to answer direct, simple What bothers questions. me, Bill, is the I fact know what that you're bothers you, Bernard, you're a Democrat. A career, no, you, you take 30 seconds of a 40-year career and try to use that I can to show, show you that Joe Biden is 30 of them. It's simply not true. What isn't true? He has what far more true? command of actually what's going on in America and, and how to solve problems, how to bring people together, how to fight COVID, how okay. to bring jobs back, how to get health care returned to the American people than President Trump ever will. And to take 30 seconds and say, okay. oh, well, he stumbled over a few words and therefore he's incompetent is unfair at best. I can show you 30 other examples of him speaking and he doesn't know what he's saying. But your submission to our audience is that Joe Biden's record of achievement is far beyond Donald Trump's. And as a Democrat, I respect it. All right. As you being a Democrat, I'm not going to argue with that. That's your opinion. Tell you. me one thing, just one, 
that Joe Biden has said on the record that is different from what President Trump has done on the record to combat COVID. One thing. Trust science. Follow that's not science. that's that's gobbledygook. That's fundamental. No, one, it's not gobbledygook. It's one fundamental. Concrete it's fundamental. Thing. Wear no, 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 masks. No. One, wear masks. Trump said John, wear masks. One thing, wear masks. He Trump has Trump held an indoor rally in Nevada against the state's regulations with no one wearing masks. How can you say that Trump is encouraging people to wear masks, which is the single greatest thing that's going to actually help stop this virus and contain the spread? Trump has said wear the mask. Biden has said wear the mask. Now, I agree with you. I didn't think it was a smart move. So hold well, on, an so indoor do what rally I say, in not Nevada. what I do. What? So, so Trump is saying do it. So Trump no, is saying no, no. What do what I'm I say, not for- as I do. What I'm looking for, I'll seed that Donald Trump could have been more methodical in the way that he dealt with COVID. I'll seed that. Now, I understand the uh, playing it down business, and I've explained it. You can either agree or disagree. But I have researched Joe Biden as well as any human being on this planet, and he has not put forth one specific thing that would have mitigated the COVID virus, not one policy. He was late to the game. He criticized Trump for stopping the China flights. He has nothing. If you go to his website right now and look, he so, has nothing. Go ahead. So Joe Biden, Joe Biden in the uh, Joe Biden in the Obama administration uh, put forward a task force to combat pandemics that was disabled, dismembered, and destroyed by the Trump administration. So when, in fact, this pandemic started to rear its ugly head in December, there was no way the Trump administration could actually get a hold of it because it had dissembled all the information, all the people and all the processes that actually could have helped stop this spread. And that's which, a legitimate debate question. And I hope Chris Wallace is watching this broadcast. He should ask President Trump why or if he even knew that that um, arm of the federal government was being dissembled. Hey, Bernard, good debate. Very lively. Um, do you agree one, one real quick one that September 29th tells a tale in this election? I think it will tell a significant tale, but we'll have still several weeks to go. Uh, I think six weeks after that. So I think there's going to be a lot more runway to go. All right. Thanks for helping us out. We appreciate it. Okay. Now, with all the terrible news coverage that Donald Trump gets, it's not just here. BBC in Britain and all over the world, BBC is a big news organization. All right. All the European, the EU newscasts, they hate Trump. They hate him all over the place. They hate him every day. They hate him every way. All right. That's just it. You go to Europe, you listen to it. Even in Ireland, they hate him. All right. It's all slanted. CNN is big. CNN International is everywhere. They take their cues from that. It's crazy. So there's a survey by Pew, and Pew does an honest job, um, of uh, 14 countries that were asked a very, very simple question. Do you have favorable or unfavorable view of the USA? Do you have a favorable or unfavorable, I see I can say that word, view of the USA? Let's start in Canada. Unfavorable up there, 62. Favorable, 35. Lowest ever recorded in Canada. All right. The Canadian, the CBC, hates the Trump administration. Italy, 
unfavorable 55, favorable 45. Now, Italy, traditionally the most pro-American country in Europe. UK, unfavorable 56, favorable 41, lowest ever recorded, unfavorable in UK. Spain, unfavorable 58, favorable 40. Denmark, unfavorable 65, favorable 34, very liberal country, Denmark. Sweden, unfavorable 65, same as Denmark, favorable 33. France, unfavorable 67, wow. Favorable 33, lowest ever recorded um, in France. Netherlands, 69% unfavorable. Ooh, the Dutch don't like us. Favorable 31. Germany, unfavorable 70. Whoa. Favorable 26. That's because Trump and, uh, and uh, Merkel, they're not, not friends. Okay, Belgium, 75% unfavorable and 24% favorable. That's the head of the EU in Brussels. South Korea, only country favorable. South Korea, 59 favorable, 39 unfavorable. Japan turned on us. Favorable 41, unfavorable 54. Australia, favorable 33, lowest ever in Australia, unfavorable 64. Media driven. And, you know, Mr. Trump, let's face it, come on, his style is pretty in your face. Um, but I thought that was interesting. St. Louis homicides out of control in St. Louis. All right. They already have more homicides now than they had them all last year. And this is the same pattern we see in Baltimore, in Chicago, in L.A., in New York. Murder, murder, murder through the roof. FBI reporting that murder is up 15 percent in the USA. Murder. Now. An interesting article in the Wall Street Journal by Jason Riley, African-American writer. He says it's not cops going out to brutalize young black men. That's not what's happening. The reason that more young black men are shot by law enforcement in America is because there's more confrontation. So there's more violence in the young male African-American community. So the police have to be called to respond to that violence. Therefore there's more killings. If you read Riley's column, it's based on logic. It's based on facts. I'm not African-American, so I'm going to let Jason handle that. However, there is no doubt that all across the country, the police are being demonized. But one organization wants to stop that. It is the Heritage Action for America organization. And joining us now from Washington is Jessica Anderson. She is uh, vice president of the HAA, and she has her organization putting up billboards, pro-police billboards, all over, actually in three large cities to start, Dallas, Atlanta, and New York. So, Jessica, why are you doing this? Well, you just hit it uh, on the head. The American people want safety and security. We want a clear vision on how to quell the violence and restore the peace. So these billboards have a very clear message that says you cannot have peace without the police. So for the hundreds of millions of Americans, just like me, who rely on the police to keep our neighborhoods safe, to respond when there's danger, it's been completely surreal this year to see politicians, pundits, the media declare that the real instigators of violence are the police and not gangs or rioters. And so we want to push back against that 
And I think these billboards do it in a meaningful way at the most local level. All right. So the billboards read no police, no peace. Um, that's going to be obviously by the far left considered a challenge to them. No justice, no peace. That's what they say. Now, your city, Washington, is out of control on the violence level, is it not? It is as well. We thought about putting one here in Washington, but we chose Times Square, we chose Dallas, we chose Atlanta, because we looked at exactly the murder rates. Murders are up nearly 50% in New York. Murder rate in Atlanta is up nearly 150% since the protests have started. And Dallas, the place that you know so many would consider uh, safe and secure, it's on the way to hitting the highest murder rate in over a decade. And so these are the places that need law enforcement. And we want law enforcement to know that behind them stand millions of Americans that support them, want them to be allowed to do their job to keep us safe and secure. Why do you think the murder rate, the, the other crimes are staying pretty stagnant, according to the FBI, um, burglaries and robberies and muggings. And that's because there's not that many opportunities in the age of COVID that a lot of people are not out on the streets. They're home. Can't break into the homes as easy when people are home. That's why the crime rate hasn't risen in those areas. But why do you think that violent crime, particularly murder, is on the rise everywhere? Well, I think you're seeing society, nothing's happening really in a vacuum right now. You've got everyone frustrated that we're not back at school, that businesses aren't yet open. They're taking to the streets. They see businesses that are being shut down, locked out. And the atrocities of murder are really allowed to run unchecked in places where the police aren't allowed to do their jobs. I mean, you look at something as horrific as what happened over this weekend when a gunman shot two deputies sitting in their vehicle. Now, thank God they've recovered. They haven't been killed. But, you know, I looked at that and I saw a direct assault on law and order itself. And this is a response to the rhetoric of the left, which has dehumanized and demonized police officers. And this is a dangerous trend for the United States to take when more and more leaders pretend that it's okay to riot, to burn buildings, to assault officers. It makes violent crime and violence worse. And in many ways, the police not being allowed to do their jobs, it just continues to rise. Okay, I see it a bit differently and I want you to react to my point of view and why murder is rising. Most of the murders are gang related in the big cities. They're drug gangs, armed, uh, they kill each other, they kill innocent bystanders. And now, as you pointed out in Los Angeles, somebody tried to assassinate two sheriff's deputies. Those mm -hmm. people used to be under pressure here in New York. I'll give you an example by the street crimes unit, undercover detectives who went into the drug ridden neighborhoods, targeted the gang members before they could shoot anybody. So it's a felony to carry an unlicensed firearm in New York City. They thought somebody had a firearm. They'd arrest them. If they indeed did, they would be sentenced to hard time. They stopped the crimes and the drug gangs were less likely to carry the guns on the streets because they knew the street crime unit would get them. Now, Mayor de Blasio, the communist mayor of New York, disbanded the street crimes unit and shamefully the police commissioner, Dermot Shea, went along with it. Since that mm -hmm. time, there has been violence all over the city by these drug gangs. Chicago never controlled the drug gangs, ever. Rahm Emanuel for eight years, now Lori Lightfoot. Forget it. 
They're not going to control, and the drug gangs know that in Chicago. They know they can take the guns out, drive by, and use them because nobody's going to stop them. In New York, they did stop them until de Blasio disbanded the unit for no reason at all. So now we have insane politics causing Mm -hmm. the rise in violent crime in our nation's cities. That's my analysis. And you say? I think we're saying similar things, which is that when police and law enforcement aren't allowed to do their job, people's lives are lost. And so your argument that they got, you know, the police forces got to these violent offenders before they were actually violent goes back to the whole argument that we're making, which is that police should be allowed to keep our neighborhood safe and secure and use any means to do that, whether it's precipitary or it's actually on the ground as this violence is happening and to quell it and to push back on it. And I think, you know, this brings up a, a larger conversation that America is having. Is do you redirect funds in the police departments? Do you reimagine or retool police forces? When I hear that, I hear examples of what you just described in New York, which basically limits the ability for officers to do their job. And they're spending uh, more time batting cleanup as opposed to getting ahead of the curve when it comes to this violence. It's insane to cut police budgets, um, but that's what the far left wants. They don't believe criminals should be punished. Um, They believe that uh, it's society's fault that Mm -hmm. you join a drug gang and sell narcotics and shoot people. That's what they believe. Hey, Jessica, thanks very much. Let us know how your uh, campaign uh, goes and if there's any resistance to it by the city, by the cities that you have the posters in. Thank you. All right. Here's a very important story. Uh, You know about the uh, two L.A. sheriff's deputies who were shot by a cowardly assassin. And you know about the people who went to the hospital and did this. Roll it. All right, so we were curious about how much time the networks and the cables are going to give that exposition. CNN covered it on Sunday on a breaking news level. Um, They did not show you that tape. You know, you didn't get that. Get about five minutes to it on Sunday, which is always a slow news day. Uh, MSNBC, we can't find out. They don't put transcripts out anymore. Uh, Nobody on my staff. I I can't be that cruel and make them watch MSNBC. Um, Fox News covered it extensively. Carlson and Hannity uh, did major segments on it. ABC gave it two minutes on uh, Muir's broadcast. Um... Let's see. Uh, They did use a portion of the yelling clip, ABC. NBC and CBS, we asked them, they don't post transcripts or rundowns anymore. Very strange, and we can't get an answer. We'll we'll continue digging there. But let's uh, put it this way. The networks and uh, CNN and MSNBC, they don't want to show that because that now takes the violence into a different realm. You can assassinate police. Okay. Now people are going to go to Joe Biden. So what are you going to do? Just keep in mind that Mr. Biden and the whole Democratic apparatus didn't mention the violent protests one time in four days at their convention. Not one time. That is almost unbelievable. One of the biggest story of the summer, bigger than COVID, and they don't mention it. So the L.A. sheriff, Alex Villanueva, who Hannity had on last night, Uh, He's angry, all right, and he should be. 
Um, the mayor, uh, the left-wing guy, Garcetti, he issued a pretty strong statement condemning this action, as he had to. Um, so basically what has happened in Los Angeles, because the shooter is still at large, the police officers are expected to recover, okay? And that's, you know, one of them's a mom of a, of a baby. They are expected to recover. So the L.A. authorities have offered $175,000 reward for the arrest of this shooter. All right, here's what the sheriff said. Go. Board of Supervisors authorized a $100,000 reward. We had a private donor step up and offered a $50,000 reward to match that. And I just got word a few minutes ago that another donor is offering $25,000 reward. And I want to make a challenge. This challenge is to LeBron James. I want you to match that and that double that reward because I know you care about law enforcement. Ah, putting LeBron James on the spot. Now, I chastised Mr. James yesterday on this broadcast for uh, lionizing Colin Kaepernick, who hates America. I thought that was uh, not a good thing to do. I don't know if Mr. James is going to take the bait here. Obviously, the sheriff's baiting him. Um, we'll see. And I will keep you posted on that. Very interesting. Louisville, Kentucky is going to give uh, Breonna Taylor's family $12 million um, because she was killed on a police raid. Now, the police officers have not been charged with anything um, because uh, the a man with uh, Ms. Taylor um, shot at them first. Now, my analysis of this whole thing was if you are going to execute a no-knock warrant, Okay, which is necessary sometimes, particularly in drug cases, because if you knock and you wait, they can flush all the narcotics down a toilet, set them on fire, do all that stuff, destroy evidence. So new not, no knocks are basically coming on in, and the police often feel that these dealers are armed and dangerous. So, the, you know, you don't ban no-knock warrants. That's stupid and puts officers in jail. But if you are going to execute one, you've got to know who's in the house. And the Louisville cops didn't. So Breonna Taylor was killed in the firefight between the boyfriend, her boyfriend, who shot at police when he heard the door get kicked in. He says he didn't know they were police. He thought they were intruders. All right. So the city of Louisville is uh, paying $12 million to uh, Ms. Taylor's family. Okay, let's go to Kathleen, uh, who's a concierge member on the message board. Donald Trump has been around the block. Don't underestimate his reasons for talking with Woodward. Uh, uh, listen, Kathleen, <laughs> it didn't help him. So I don't underestimate or overestimate. I'm just a simple man. It didn't help him. Mike, concierge member. Thank you, Mike. I'm not a rocket scientist, but Mr. Trump should have been smarter than to let Woodward do this. Now he'll make a fortune selling his book. Margaret. I'm sure many mistakes were made in the COVID virus, but in anyone's wildest dreams, do they think the Democrats would have done a better job? Yes. Yes, Margaret. Democrats think if Barack Obama or Joe Biden had been president, they would have done a better job. Absolutely. That's what they think. Uh, James, concierge member. Now, concierge members have direct access to me. It's not why I'm reading all their mail, um, but you can ask me anything you want. So you might check that out on BillOReilly.com. James says... Black Lives Matter is one of the most successful hoaxes in American history. 
They have recruited more useful idiots to their Marxist cause than anything I've ever seen. Black Lives Matter supporters foolishly believe the cause is about race when it's clearly about power. Okay, but you are talking about the Black Lives Matter global organization. Got to make that delineation. It's not Black Lives Matter the slogan. It's the organization. Nicholas Bonarigo, McMurray, Pennsylvania. Bill, your interview with Stephen A. Smith was by far the best discussion. I've seen about the issues of race and sports anywhere. You both made great points, have great rapport, and managed to be reformative and thought-provoking in an intelligent and civil manner. Yeah, it can be done. You don't see it much on TV, but it can be done. Neil Seary, New Orleans. Your discussion with Stephen A. Smith was classic, absolutely fantastic, and how I think all debates should be conducted, honest, and by staying on point. We are standing up for our country down here. It's great to hear that, Neil. Stand up for your country in New Orleans and Louisiana, and I hope that storm doesn't do much damage. Boy, tough down there. Renee Storms, Mooresville, North Carolina. Bill, I'm hoping, Bill, I am not hearing anybody talk about that whenever an NFL player takes a knee, he is doing so on his employer's time. Is there any reasonable job in America where one may protest on the employer's time? There are some that let you, but believe me, in most places, if you inject politics into the workplace, the corporation says no. Not in the media, not in the sports world. Those are the exceptions. John Mack, Kansas City, Missouri. You're absolutely correct about your forecast for the NFL. Just finished watching 60 Minutes. And um, I just finished watching 60 Minutes of the pregame special. And it was all about social justice. Game haven't even started, and I've already had no desire to watch it. Well, a lot of people are with you on that. John Wagner, Dallas, Oregon, outside of Portland, suburb. Got my hat today. Stand up for America hat. And we're heading to the Rockies in two days. I'll be wearing it. We'll be driving our car that is decked out with the Stand Up For Your Country bumper stickers. You are, I, you are so lucky to be going to the Rockies. I love watching the Aspens turn. It's such a great thing in America to watch that. So I'm glad you're standing up. And you'll meet a lot of people on your trip, I think. And just tell them what's going on, John. Judy Casper, Casper Avicius. I hope I got that, Judy. Jackson, New Jersey. Killing Crazy Horse, in my opinion, most important book. I'm stunned by the horrendous brutality, arrogance, ignorance, cunning, and bravery exhibited by all. Your lesson has affected my understanding of American history. I am very happy you have read the book. Killing Crazy Horse, Going Crazy. 130,000 sold in three days. There's a reason. People want the truth about their country. And it's a very interesting book to read. Eddie Wilson, Cave City, Kentucky. Just finished Killing Crazy Horse. And after all eight killing books, it was the best, with the exception of Killing Jesus. The Native Americans in our American government was not one-sided as to Indians versus settlers. A reminder that all human beings are flawed with free will that is good, evil, or both. Thank you, for, and Mr. Dugard, for taking the time to dig up the unbiased truth. You're welcome. Eddie, I think it's, uh, you know, a lot of people say it's the best killing book, so... They're all like my kids. I can't make a judgment, but I'm glad you read it. All right, I'm going to have a, uh, if you buy Killing Crazy Horse on BillOReilly.com, you get uh, five Stand Up For Your Country stickers free. All right, we got the mugs. The mugs are great. All right, uh, they're flying out of here. Stand Up For Your Country mugs. 
Um, beautiful, made in America. And we got the hat. Come back to me. Stand up for America hat. It's terrific. Made in America. No more China for us. So I'm going to have a final thought on the stand-up campaign after this announcement. All right, we're back. I forgot the word of the day. Do not be churlish when writing to BillOReilly.com. It's Bill at BillOReilly.com. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Churlish, C-H-U-R-L-I-S-H. Okay. So stand-up for your country becomes even more important now that this National Football League madness is in full swing. I believe, and I know I'm right, that most Americans don't want to be kneeling in front of the flag during the national anthem. Most do not approve of that. Now, dissent is fine. Disrespect is not fine. You hate your country, stay in the locker room. I, you know, my team, the New York Jets, and I don't think they're my team anymore, but I have to root for them because of legacy, but they're terrible again. And Joe Namath, I don't know what to say, Joe. But anyway, they stayed in the locker room. That was a mistake. That's disrespectful. But I'd rather have you guys in the locker room than getting out and denigrating the flag in public. So that's my opinion. I was on uh, WABC with Bernie and uh, Sid this morning. And Sid agrees with me, but Bernie doesn't. He says they're cowards staying in the locker room, which is somewhat true. But anyway. Let's do a positive thing. Stand up for your country. All right? Don't kneel. And then get the yard sign, put it on out there. Get the hat, get the mugs, get the stickers. Spread them around. Give them as gifts. All right? Let's get this movement really rocking. Doesn't have anything to do with politics. Biden supporters, Trump supporters, everybody. Stand up for your country. We are a noble nation. We are not evil. And that is the statement. You know, comes a point in life, and you all know this, where you got to make a decision. you got to decide. And now is the point we have reached in our country. The far left shooting cops, burning down cities, disrespecting the country, calling anybody with white skin a racist. It's disgraceful. It's disgusting. I've had enough. So what can I do? I can report the truth. I can write truthful books like Killing Crazy Horse. I can do that. But I all can lead a movement. I can lead it. All right? And the movement is stand up for your country. So I hope you'll become involved. I hope you will get the stuff, spread it around, have discussions, and let's get this going. We'll see you tomorrow.